Now then, 17 minutes past eight, we can get some further analysis of President Trump's DMZ visit with Mintaro Oba, former State Department diplomat specialising in the Koreas. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And, and you compared the meeting, I understand, to defibrillator diplomacy. It looked very much like Twitter diplomacy coming to fruition. Can you elaborate on the gap between those two descriptions? Well, I think both are, are eminently accurate. Twitter diplomacy is uh, certainly true in that President Trump initiated this with a uh, uh, bold, even impulsive gesture on Twitter. Um, at the same time, what I wanted to communicate with the term defibrillator diplomacy was that, like a defibrillator, this is just the latest in a cycle of um, injecting temporary energy into the process to revive it, uh, but without addressing the underlying uh, sicknesses or illnesses uh, that bring the process to the brink of collapse every time. President Trump, though, has really emphasized the importance of of his relationship with Chairman Kim Jong-un. He said President Obama wanted to meet and Chairman Kim would not meet him. The Obama administration was begging for a meeting. They were begging for meetings constantly and Chairman Kim would not meet with him. And for some reason, we have a certain chemistry. Um, Considering you are a diplomat who worked under the former Obama administration, is there actual truth to what he was saying there, President Trump? Uh, I'm not aware that President Obama was ever seeking to meet directly with Kim Jong-un. I I would say probably not. I do know that the United States, uh, under the Obama administration, sought to continue engagement with North Korea at lower levels and at working levels, and they made a number of quiet approaches to North Korea. And I think that's probably what President Trump is referring to. Yeah. Why didn't we see any former U.S. presidents while in office actually step into North Korea the way that President Trump did? Well, I think most presidents feel constrained by um, the political pressures of how it, how it would be perceived if they went to North Korea and were seen to give legitimacy to a regime that violates human rights and threatens the security of the United States and its allies without achieving some sort of concrete concession or deliverable that justified them making that visit. Um, So I think that's the main reason we did not see a sitting U.S. president go into North Korea before. And President Trump is fundamentally different and fundamentally unconstrained by those past concerns. Can you also just give us a sense of how the American audience has been responding as as general as that will have to be as an answer, um, especially given the context at the moment of the candidates on the Democrat side shaping up for the 2020 election? Well, I think it divides very starkly along political party lines in the United States. Um, loyal supporters of President Trump have um, pretty much always been engaged with this North Korean diplomatic process and believe in his ability as a deal maker and support what he's doing. On the other side, uh, Democrats are keen to oppose pretty much anything President Trump does and draw a clear contrast. And so you saw Democratic candidates uh, be be quick to oppose it. And you saw people kind of in the Democratic progressive camp 
elsewhere um, oppose it very strongly. But a lot will now matter, even on the Democrat side. They won't be able to be too critical if we see some sort of breakthrough on the denuclearization front. And a lot will then go towards these next steps, which include in the next two to three weeks, according to Trump himself, negotiation teams. The US side led by Stephen Began. National Security Advisor John Bolton was nowhere to be seen in all the images we saw yesterday. And Trump was emphasizing the role of Pompeo, Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, and Stephen Began, his point man on North Korea, which was perhaps interesting in itself. But how hopeful are you about work, working level talks now? Well, I am cautiously optimistic. I think President Trump and Kim Jong-un's meeting uh, provided a new sense of positive momentum to working level talks and gave working level negotiators a mandate to try and make progress. At the same time, as I referred to earlier with uh, defibrillator diplomacy, the underlying substantive issues have not been resolved, whether it's um, what the expectations are about denuclearization and on what timing or uh, the question of sanctions relief. And I have not seen that the U.S. has demonstrated the flexibility necessary to make working-level talks a success. So I think a lot remains to be seen. How do you assess the role of South Korean President Moon Jae-in, who's been dressed up as the great mediator over the last few months? And he was there in the backdrop of that step over by President Trump. He didn't join him himself in North Korea, but it very much mirrored what President Moon did last year at the border. And then President Moon was involved in that trilateral discussion, the first time we've seen anything of that nature. But, of course, you could read this both ways, but President Trump then was left out of uh, the brief private meeting, actually, sorry, quite a lengthy private meeting, but the brief press conference that we saw given by both Kim and Trump before they went into their nearly hour-long meeting. So the fact that President Moon was sitting in a room on his own or with uh, his own people, does that strike you as being odd at all or just very natural under these very strange circumstances? It strikes me as very natural. Um, when it was uh, 2017, 2018, and President Moon was the main person trying to make uh, make progress through inter-Korean diplomacy and diplomacy at the Olympics, he played a really central, pivotal role. But once a formal U.S.-North Korea diplomatic process started, I think the North Koreans did not want to deal with... Um, uh, a state they characterize as a puppet state, and they want to be seen as dealing at the highest level with a great power. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, President Moon, while still continuing to play an important and constructive role, uh, is occasionally marginalized when the U.S. and North Korea are talking. It also seems significant to me because North Korea had released a number of statements recently urging not only, not only South Korea to come forward on its own for cooperation talks without worrying about the US, but also had been suggesting Moon was meddling rather than mediating. I, I got the feeling that President Moon wanted to make it absolutely clear that, you, you know, this is up to you and Trump, Mr. Kim. Right, and in my conversations with South Korean diplomats, uh, I get the sense that they uh, that South Korea has made plenty of overtures to North Korea trying to get the diplomatic process moving. But in the end, U.S.-North Korea diplomacy is about the United States and North Korea, and 
Uh, I think Seoul has sort of resigned themselves to that fact and are just hoping that um, U.S.-North Korea diplomacy will create the conditions for inter-Korean rapprochement. And then President Moon did stand alongside President Trump at the very end of the meeting that took place, the private talks between Chairman Kim and President Trump. And uh, President Moon was was nodding as President Trump told the media uh, what he said many times already, that uh, we haven't seen nuclear testing, we haven't seen missile testing. One of the journalists picked him up on that and said, well, we have seen missile tests. And, and President Trump said, well, that wasn't really a missile test. It wasn't what we consider to be a a missile test uh, it's he said it's what everybody does um and that well i mean there's some intelligence to suggest in fact that did involve ballistic missile testing what the north did more recently albeit short range um what again i mean how, how should we respond to it that's potentially an area where the democrat side can legitimately criticize president trump certainly uh missile tests of any kind matter they help north korea develop uh, key technologies, uh, but I can certainly understand President Trump's position. I think the North Koreans were very careful to conduct missile launches uh, or whatever these projectile launches were uh, that could be construed as not being of the caliber of previous launches, but still uh, provided some raising of tensions and provocation to the U.S. that put pressure on them. And kind of coming full circle, just to conclude on on the nature of President Trump's diplomacy, defibrillated diplomacy makes sense. Social media diplomacy also, as we said, it's a kind of showman diplomacy, but also relationship focused. And we've seen this with President Trump emphasising that President Moon is a friend. He emphasised the great relationship he has with Chairman Kim, as well as Chinese President Xi Jinping. But then again, we hear of all the conflicts as well. It's a kind of odd situation. You've got President Trump walking alongside the man that leads a country that's heavily sanctioned by the US. Uh, You've also got all these other tensions, uh, bilateral level with South Korea, and of course, the China problems. How far, in other words, can a relationship take you in diplomacy? Personal relationships matter, but you can only go so far with a relationship. You also need to be practical and align your national interests and make smart decisions that produce concrete results. And what we've seen is uh, President Trump do a lot of the right things in terms of fostering personal relationships, but um, some of the some of the wrong wrong things that have um, made the U.S negotiating position very inflexible and made us unable to really capitalize on the value of those personal relationships to produce re- real results. Mintaro Oba, former State Department diplomat specializing in the careers and having worked before under President Obama, we appreciate your time and feedback this morning. My pleasure.